Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Uh, well, our listener support campaign uh, continues. I appreciate everyone's support uh, as as we uh, just uh, continue this uh, listener support campaign. Now, as I've mentioned before, throughout the rest of the year, all donations of $7 or more receive access to our premium site. But uh, during the listener support campaign, uh, any donations of $20 or more will get an extra special thank you gift. Um, at the $20 level, I will gladly send you uh, my, one of my ebooks, either one of the fiction ones, uh, such as Powerhouse Hard Pressed or Fly Another Day. Uh, or, uh, there's also my, uh, kind of manifesto on why I, uh, enjoy Golden Age Entertainment and what makes it so special. What made the Golden Age, uh, golden? Uh, either one of those, uh, are available at the $20 level. At the uh, $50 level, we have a uh, your choice of any of the great uh, BBC Radio 4 Marple or Poirot radio dramas uh, that we can get for you off of Audible. Uh, so you go and support the show at support.greatdetectives.net. Well, we are now to our last episode of Mr. Moto, and um, the title of the episode is... Uh, the Dry Martini. Let's enjoy. A wise person once said that vengeance is a dish that should be eaten cold. In the case of the Dry Martini, the Avenger drank his vengeance from a cocktail glass. began as the routine investigation of a tip on a West Coast smuggling operation. Although I arrived in San Francisco after business hours, I found Mr. Jerome Pearson, the head of the Monsoon Trading Company, still at work in his office. Well, Mr. Moto, this is indeed a pleasure. I've wanted to meet you for a long time. Thank you, Mr. Pearson. Uh, sit down. Ah, yes. Uh, no, no, no. Take the leather chair. It's more comfortable. Thank you. I will not take up much of your time, Mr. Pearson. Well, I was just on the point of knocking off for the day. Have a cocktail? Oh, no, no, thank you. Well, uh, nothing like a dry martini to step you back after a long, hard day's work. Sure you won't join me? Uh, quite sure, Mr. Pearson. Thank you. Well, some people think that a martini should be stirred. But I say, if you don't shake a cocktail, it's never really cold. I am told there are two schools of thought on that. Cold, dry... Perfect. Well, then, Mr. Moto, what's on your mind? I was sent here to San Francisco to investigate an anonymous letter. Huh? About me? Uh, not specifically. Your firm, the Monsoon Trading Company, was mentioned by name. 
Uh, in what connection, sir? In connection with a smuggling operation. Were you able to trace the writer of this letter? Not yet, sir. Well, if there's any smuggling going on this row, I don't know anything about it, Mr. Mordo. Would it be possible for such a thing to occur without your knowledge? I, I don't know how. All our shipments are checked through customs in the ordinary manner. All our records, invoices, bill of lading, and so on, are double-checked by the customs people and by us. Uh, what do you deal in for the most part? Oh, textiles, straw matting, that sort of thing. We, we import chiefly from India and Malaya. Yes. Oh, pardon me. Certainly. Uh, a dividend. Uh, what shipping firms do you deal with? Well, we, we generally wait until we have a full cargo and charter a ship. I see. If you'd like to look over our records, our treasurer, Mr. Harper, will be only too glad to show them to you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Pearson. Uh, when would that be convenient? Oh, say, first thing tomorrow morning. Excellent. Please be on time. Time's money, you know. Uh, by the way, Moto, my chauffeur's parked downstairs. If you'd like him to drive you anywhere, I pay him a large salary and he might as well be earning it. Oh, thank you, but my hotel is only a few blocks away. Well, I was just going to mix another batch of martinis. Sure you won't join me? Uh, you are so very, very kind, Mr. Pearson, but I am afraid I must refuse. Uh, well, then. Oops. <laughs> hey, that, that drink really got to me. Good night, Mr. Tomorrow. It's been a pleasure. It's an honor to, to make your queen. Uh, thank you, Mr. Pearson. And good night. Oh, there'll be as I closed the door, Mr. Pearson was happily preparing another shaker full of dry martinis. As I emerged from the building, I noted a large limousine of foreign manufacture standing in front of a no-parking sign. A uniformed chauffeur was leaning against it. Uh, hey, you. Uh, are you addressing me, young man? Uh, yeah. You come from the monsoon offices? Uh, that is correct. Uh, you are Mr. Pearson's chauffeur? Uh, yeah. What, uh, what condition did you leave him in? A condition? How many martinis? Uh, he was preparing a second shaker when I left him. Uh-oh. I better get ready to pour him out of there. Before I had time to ponder on the behavior of Mr. Pearson's chauffeur and his abrupt departure into the building, a second car, a taxi cab, drew up behind the limousine and two more worried-looking people emerged from it. A plump, heavy-set man carrying a briefcase and a thin, sharp-faced woman also carrying a briefcase. Excuse me, sir. Did you see a chauffeur in this car a moment ago? Why, yes. Uh, he just went into the building. Oh, I hope we're not too late. If you are on your way to see Mr. Pearson, I believe you will find him in his office. What condition did you leave him in? Everyone seems very much concerned about Mr. Pearson's condition. Well, I've got a payroll for him to sign. I want to catch him while he can still write. Oh, you are Mr. Harper? Yes, I am. Who are you? Mr. Moto. Mr. I.A. Moto. I'm Mary Donahue, Mr. Moto. I'm the attorney for this corporation. Ah, yes. I want you to know that anything he said to you while under the influence of martinis will not hold up for five minutes in any court of law. Thank you, Miss Donahue. I will remember that. You'll have to excuse us now, Mr. Moto. Come along, Mary. If we're too late, I'll hold you responsible. Oh, shut up. They disappeared rapidly into the building, and I walked on back to my hotel. When I rose the following morning and read the morning paper, I saw a story headlined, Corporation Head Waylaid by Mysterious Assailant. Chauffeur foils would-be kidnappers 
at offices of Monsoon Trading Company. Before I could read the text, my telephone rang. Mr. Moto speaking. Mr. Moto, this is Pearson. I must see you at once. I have some information for you. Uh, where are you at present, Mr. Pearson? In the hospital? Yeah, I left that pest house this morning. I'm at my residence, 1000 Marina Boulevard. It'll take you exactly 20 minutes by cab. You'll meet me in front of the building now, and we'll have our conference in my car and route to the office. I will meet you there in 20 minutes. Uh, 20 minutes, then. I'll expect you. Time is money, you know. As my taxi drew up to the curb in front of the canopied entrance, I saw Mr. Pearson pacing indignantly up and down before the building. His gray Hamburg hat was perched atop an outsized turban of gauze bandage. Ah, Moto. Well, you're exactly one minute and 22 seconds late. Yeah, but now, Mr. Pearson, don't I... apologize. Only waste more time. Come along. Yes, sir. All right. Car's just around the corner. Pay that chauffeur a large salary. Mustn't keep him waiting. Uh-huh. I suspected as much. Do you drive a car, Mr. Moto? The biker? Uh, may I ask? Oh, never mind, never mind. I, I see him. I see who, Mr. Pearson? Oh, that rascal chauffeur of mine. Asleep in the back seat. Get out of there, Mr. you. Mr. Pearson, watch out. I was behind Mr. Pearson and slightly to the right. The shock of the rapid-fire thirty caliber bullets lifted him off his feet and knocked him against me. Before I could regain my balance, the gunman had jumped out of the limousine and into a gray sedan that was double-parked alongside. It was soon lost in the welter of traffic on the boulevard, but I did succeed in getting the first three numbers of the license plate. At that moment, a fragrance of perfume tempered the exhaust fumes from the teeming street, and I turned to face a very, very attractive, very, very distraught young woman. Oh, who did it? You saw him. Don't lie to me. Now, madam, I suggest you get yourself under oh, control. Oh, why don't they come? Where's Jerry? the ambulance? Please. Why are all those people standing around staring at him? Make them go away. I can't stand it. I just can't. Madam, madam, I must ask you to stop this at once. Horace, oh! I said stop it! Oh! That is very much better. Now then, who are you? His wife. It was all my fault. How? I called Ernie out the window and asked him to come upstairs. Yes? I wanted him to return some lingerie. They sent the wrong color. Peach. Who is Ernie? Our chauffeur. I was looking for the sales check when we heard the shots. Oh... Is Jerome really dead this time? Quite, quite dead, Mrs. Pearson. And may I say that your grief is very, very touching? Poor Jerome. He looks so natural, stretched out there on the pavement. I keep thinking he'll get up and stagger on into the elevator. He didn't drink at all well. Uh, why don't you go upstairs and relax, Mrs. Pearson? All right, I, I'm going. Oh. Oh, Nettie, you all right? Ernie, where did you go? Oh, down to the garage. I heard a car drive in. Poor Mr. Pearson. It's all my fault. Oh, no. Uh, no, it's mine. If I only hadn't mislaid that sales check. Huh? When I called you out the window uh, to come and get that package. Oh. Oh, that. All right, all right. What do we got here? Who's the witness? I was with him when it happened, officer. No, no. Name? A motor. Mr. I.A. Motor. All right, all right. Clear a space there. Come on, come on. Let him through with that stretch over there. Oh, step over here out of the crowd, Mr. Motor. I want to get your statement. 
Oh, this one's DLA, boys. Uh, pardon me, Mr. Murdo. Yeah, that is quite all right. Are you ready for that statement? Mm, oh, yeah. Uh, you got a pencil? No, oh, thanks. Okay, okay, let's have it. Uh, this man is Jerome Pearson, a chairman of the board of an importing firm called the Monsoon Trading Company. Mm-hmm. You have that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last night, he was working late at his office and was knocked out and robbed. Mm. He telephoned me this morning. He did not say what was on his mind, but he seemed quite agitated. Mm. The gunman was crouched in the back seat of the limousine, and the muzzle of a carbine emerged when Mr. Pearson opened the door. I see. Uh, what did he look like? I did not see him distinctly. If you will look at the design of the car, you will see why. The back and sides are almost completely enclosed. Yeah. Uh, what about the, uh, the getaway? I saw the getaway car and the back of the killer's head. The car was a gray two-door sedan. I saw only the first three digits of the license plate. 5D9. Have anything else? Uh, yes. And may I have my pencil back, please? Very, very funny. Ha, ha. Uh, Mr. Motow. Ah. What did that policeman say to you? Uh, very little, Mrs. Pearson, but I suggest that you and that chauffeur get together on those alibis of yours. Well, I don't know where Ernie is. Oh, but, uh, please, Mr. Moto, I can't face their questions just yet. I'm afraid you are hungry. Would it be legal if I just avoided them till I can collect myself? I do not know about the legality of the matter, Mrs. Pearson, but it would most certainly be wise. Uh, where can we talk, Mr. Motel? Have you any suggestions? Well, there's a little cocktail lounge up on Lombard, but Ernie and I... Uh, it's uh, just around the corner. Uh, very, very convenient. Uh, I suggest we go there, Mrs. Pearson. It's a darling. And it was all against my mother's advice. I should have listened. But that's why I married Mr. Pearson. Yes, very, very interesting. That brings us up to 1943. And it is only a quarter to twelve. You're just like him, always holding a stopwatch over my head. Always, Mrs. Pearson? Well, he drank, you know. Yes, I believe you mentioned that. But it's much more important than you think. He often fell down and bumped his head. Are you suggesting uh, that your late husband's mysterious assailant was a double martini? Two pitchers full before dinner. Ernie often had to carry him up to his office. Do you know why he was working late last night, Mrs. Pearson? He had an appointment with the vice president of the firm, uh, Mr. Harper. Ah, yes. Uh, something had come up and he wanted Jerome to sign some papers. I, I don't know what. It wasn't the first time. I waited outside in the car. Uh, you were in the car when Ernie spoke to me? Oh, yes. And then he came back to the car, and we talked. Ernie appears to have alibis upstairs, downstairs, and uh, all around you, Mrs. Pearson. Well, uh, then when the others came out, and Jerome didn't, uh, Ernie went upstairs to see why. The others? Oh, you mean Mr. Harper and Miss Donahue? Yes. She's the attorney for the company. I know that. But if you think everything was legal between those two, well... Well, after all, who am I to call the kettle black? Mrs. Pearson, what are you trying to tell me? Between you and me, Mr. Moto, I think that Donahue woman knocked him down a flight of stairs. In his condition, he'd never remember. Why are you so anxious to incriminate Miss Donahue? Well, what would you think? She was the last one out of the building. Why did you not tell all this to the police? When they investigated the attack on your husband last night? Well, I didn't want to talk about his drinking. Things were bad enough already. That would just have been the end. 
I see. And what do you want me to do for you, Mrs. Pearson? Prove that Mary Donahue did it and Ernie didn't. I think I can rely on you to take care of Ernie. Oh, no. No, I don't want to alibi him unless I have to. He might get the wrong idea. Wrong idea? He might think it meant I still care for him, and I don't. Oh? I, I just can't stand him anymore. The way he chews on those toothpicks is just the end. And besides, if his alibi is too good, I might have trouble about that carbine I found in the back seat of my car. Yes, yes, but Mrs. Pearson, I thought... Mrs. Pearson, did you say you found a carbine in the back seat of your car? Yes, and for all I know, it may be the gun that killed my husband. Where was your car at the time your husband was killed? In the garage, in the basement of the building where our apartment is. That is where Ernie appeared from just after the accident. He didn't make any secret of it, remember? He said he heard a noise and went to... You did not allow him to say very much. Tell me, this car of yours, is it a grey two-door sedan? That's the whole point. And the car the murderer escaped in... Was a grey two-door sedan. What is the license number of your car, Mrs. Pearson? Oh, wait, it's on my key ring. Here... 5D9. That is quite sufficient, Mrs. Pearson. Why did you not tell me this before? I couldn't get up the nerve, Mr. Moto. After I heard you tell a policeman the gun that killed Jerome was a carbine and the gray sedan and all that, it's, it's the end. I agree, Mrs. Pearson. It might very well be the end. For Ernie. Well, I don't care if it is. The way he's always wandering off the job. I, I mean, it is just the end. I sincerely hoped that she was right, but I did not think so. And when I went to examine the gray sedan in the garage, I knew it was far from the end of the matter. It was the getaway car. But Ernie had turned into a very, very poor suspect. He was crouched on the carpet between the front and rear seats. He had been shot at closer range than Jerome Pearson, and the killer had used only one bullet in the base of his brain. I decided my next call would be on Mr. Harper. Monsoon Trading Company, good afternoon. I'm sorry, Mr. Harper's in conference. Yes, I'll see that he gets your message. What can I do for you, sir? Uh, I would like to see Miss Donahue, please. Miss Donahue's in conference with Mr. Harper. Uh, That is splendid. I wish to see them both. I have orders not to disturb them. Uh, thank you, but that is quite, quite unnecessary. I will do so myself. But there's a gentleman waiting ahead of you, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the idea of shoving the slant, I'd push you in ahead of me, huh? I got personal connections here, mister, see? Me and the chairman of the board were... I, I, I got connections, see? I'm getting very nervous with the sinus trouble, you follow me? I gotta see Harper, I gotta see Harper. I, gotta I will be very here. glad to tell Mr. Harper that you are here, uh, mister... Tell him, tell him, push him, Martin, push him, Martin. Yes. Tell him I ain't taking no run around Tell him I got other contacts, only I'll listen to the reason. I kind of, I, I, I gotta have a fix right now. I, I settled for half, only, only no rubber checks. They owe me, they owe me. I, 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 I will be most happy to deliver your message. Please, just relax. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you tell the chairman of the board. You tell him I got a monkey, looks like his brother. Now look here, I left specific instructions. Unfortunately, I must... Mr. Harper, my business with you and Miss Donahue at the moment must take precedence over your business with each other. Well, I'm glad you're here, Mr. Moto. You know that this embezzling old fool's actually had the nerve to threaten me Excuse me, Miss Donahue, I presume you are referring to Mr. Harper. Who else but the dean of double entry? That's a lie. Now, look. Why does he keep stalling when I ask him to see his books? Ask him that, Mr. Moto. 
But I'm the attorney for the corporation, and I have to make a tax return. Well, you won't need the books for that. The Monsoon Company is broke. Oh, did Jerome Pearson ask for explanations? Is that why you killed him? Listen to her, Mr. Moto. This is the hag who just informed me that she now owns 55% of the common stock of this corporation. Is that true, Mr. Donahue? Certainly it's true. I bought up Jerome's debts and threw an attachment on his stock. Perfectly legal. But not very ethical, was it? Well, you met him. He wasn't competent to run the firm. Dry martinis, one after the other. They came in very handy last night, just before you pushed him down the stairs. Now, just a minute. I think you'd better be specific when you make an accusation like that, Mr. Harper. Gladly. You tricked Jerome into changing the beneficiary of his insurance. From whom to whom? The beneficiary was that muddle-headed wife of his, and he changed it to the Monsoon Trading Company, a corporation of the state of California. Which I gather is now mostly yourself, Miss Donahue. You're writing the wrong brief, Mr. Moto. Huh? You can't try a corporation for murder. A personal responsibility can be fixed. Not a stockholder, and that's all I am. I believe you have a point there. On the other hand, Mr. Harper as treasurer and first vice president. All right, Mr. Moto. What do you want? I want to see those canceled checks. Gladly, Mr. Moto. Just step into the next office. I was somewhat surprised at his sudden willingness to cooperate. But when I had finished examining the canceled checks, I was even more surprised. The Monsoon Company's payroll contained more checks for salesmen than the total net profit on legitimate imports, which was considerable. The most frequently recurring payee of these checks was a person named Jacob Martin. I recalled the very nervous gentleman in the reception room who gave his name as Pusher Martin. Well, Moto, are you satisfied? Yes, thank you, Mr. Harper. Wait a minute. What's your game, Moto? Huh? Any child can see that those figures don't add up right. I am not interested in your business difficulties, Miss Donahue. I am not even interested in whom killed Mr. Pearson. I am only interested in the motive behind his death. Well, she did it. Because she cheated her way to the top of the firm only to find that nothing could save the business but Jerome's life insurance. Now, wait a minute. I came here to investigate a tip on dope smuggling through your import business. What? Sir? Yesterday evening, Mr. Pearson seemed to have nothing to tell me. Last night, someone apparently attempted his life. This morning, on the telephone, he said he had something important to tell me. He died before he could tell it. I think I know now. What he wanted to tell me. What was that? That Mr. Harper, through juggling the books, was able to carry on a smuggling operation without Mr. Pearson's knowledge. Recently, Mr. Harper appears to have been caught short, and you took advantage of the fact, Miss Donahue. That was Pearson's fault. He withdrew a terrific amount of cash the day before he was killed. No explanation. I'll explain plenty when I drag you into court. You can count on me for a witness, Mr. Moto. My suspects were beginning to cancel each other out. But of one thing, I was certain. The actual shootings had been done by a hired killer. And the fact that he operated in broad daylight on a crowded street, taking such desperate chances, indicated that he was either insane or a drug addict. I suspected the latter. As I left Harper's office, I observed Pusher Martin had decided not to wait 
but I soon located him in a dingy establishment called the Atlas Hotel. What do you, what do you want? I want to talk to you, Mr. Pusher Martin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You got anything for me? Okay, okay, where's the stuff? Uh, do not uh, be so impatient, Mr. Martin. Oh, I don't feel so good, I tell you. That, 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 that monkey is breaking my back. You can still feel worse. Yes. What do you want? What do you want? I got money. I, I got a check for a grand. That will not suffice. I need information. You don't get nothing from me. Who gave you that thousand dollar check, Martin? Oh, leave me alone, will you? Leave me alone! Sick. I have plenty of time, Martin. And I feel very much better than you do. Hey, will you find that croaker for me? I put him on a scent for a jolly bee face. I will do what I can for you, but you will have to help me. Who gave you that thousand dollar check? Oh, I can't stand it no more. It's breaking my back, I tell you. It will get worse, Martin. Okay, 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 okay. My, my shirt pocket. Do not exert yourself. I will get it. This little sponge on the car. I'm so wet, I'm so wet. You see that the signature, the, the chairman of the board? Yeah, yeah, chairman of the board. Who forged this signature, Martin? He wrote it himself. He wrote it himself right, right, right in front of me. What was he supposed to be in payment for? He wanted I should knock off his brother. Then you made a mistake, didn't you? Huh? He's dead, ain't he? Exactly. From the papers, the papers, they got it wrong, they got it wrong. That was his brother, his twin brother. That, that other guy, the chauffeur, he kept hanging around the garage. I had to burn him too to get out. Do you know what you are saying? Yeah, yeah, I don't feel so good, so I know I'm making sense. Oh, I got to sweat something terrible. Do not distress yourself, Martin. You will be in a very nice, cool place very shortly. After I had turned Pusher Martin over to the police, I investigated his story as thoroughly as I could at that late hour. Apparently, it was quite impossible that Mr. Pearson could have had a brother, twin, or otherwise. He was a first child. His mother died in childbirth, and his father died one month later. Unfortunately, I was not finished with Mrs. Pearson. Mr. Moto, I've been calling and calling, trying to reach you. I, I've been so worried. Oh, it's just the end. This time, Mrs. Pearson, you may be right. Uh, can I fix you a drink? There's nothing in the house but those prepared martinis Jerome used to drink. Is that all right? I have never tasted prepared martinis, but I should be interested in sampling one of those, Mrs. Pearson. I could use one myself. Uh, what did you think of Mary Donahue? Isn't she the end? A most interesting lady. I find you all most interesting. Jerome used to drink them cold, but I put in even more ice than nasty without. Thank you. Hope it doesn't make you fall down the way it did poor Jerome. Yes, indeed. Well, cheers. Cheers? What's the matter? Too dry for you? Did you open a fresh bottle when you made these? Why, yes. What's the matter? Where is that bottle, Mrs. Pearson, please? Right there, by the ice bucket. Ah, is this all your husband ever drank? Yes. Gallons of it. It's a special brand. There's a whole case underneath. I'd like to examine that. Go, go right ahead. Yourself. Same. And this one, too. Mrs. Pearson, you are quite, quite sure that this is all your husband ever drank? Why, yes. He even took it with him to bars and in people's homes. I see. He'd sit and drink them right out of the bottle like a little child. Then he'd be falling down drunk, of course. That's how we lost so many friends. They dropped us just like... Like flies. 
I believe you said before. It was the end. Excuse me. Who are you phoning? Uh, patience, Mrs. Pearson. And I think you will be very enlightened. Uh, this is Mr. Moto, Mr. Gary. Oh, yes, Mr. Moto. Has the autopsy been performed on Jerome Pearson yet? Yes, Mr. Moto. They rushed him through. Uh, do you have the report at hand? Yeah, yeah, right here in front of me. Ah, very good. So, uh, a funny thing, Mr. Moto. The doctor said they could have saved themselves the trouble. Huh? He would have been dead in a week or two without assistance. He was ill? What ailment, Mr. Gary? Brain tumor. Malignant. Was there any alcohol present in the body? Is there a notation on the head wounds? Yeah. Uh, accidental fall due to periodic fainting spells. Out of his condition. Thank you, Mr. Gary. Thank you so very, very much. What is it, Mr. Moto? Were the martinis poisoned? No. No, Mrs. Pearson. Quite the contrary. The martinis your husband drank contain nothing but colored water. Well, then what made him get so drunk? He did not fall down from drunkenness, Mrs. Pearson. Your husband was a very, very sick man. Oh, well, who killed him? He killed himself. Oh, but he couldn't have. He, he employed a gunman to do it, but it was suicide. And why didn't he leave a note or something? He could have ruined us all. I imagine that is precisely what he wanted to do. You all thought that he was a hopeless drunk and took advantage of him. He allowed Mary Donahue to fleece him out of his interest in the company, let Mr. Harper juggle his books to cover a smuggling operation... He was engaged in and let you go your way with Ernie. But, Mr. Boto... In short, Mrs. Pearson, your husband allowed all three of you to furnish yourselves with as convincing a set of motives as a jury could ask for. But Jerome wasn't like that. He must have intended it as a, as a joke. In your case, that may very well be. But he would not have involved me in his plan just for a joke. I think he sincerely wanted to bring Miss Donahue and Mr. Harper to justice. He must have wanted his suicide to be found out sooner or later in order to prevent them from collecting the insurance that would have kept the corporation from going bankrupt. Oh, really? Jerome was the end. Oh, what's going to become of us all? If Miss Donahue and Mr. Harper do not go to prison, they will probably sue each other to death. You might even be forced to earn your own living, Mrs. Pearson. Oh. Well, my mother always used to say that hell hath no fury like a dry martini. But this... You are so very, very right, Mrs. Pearson. It is the end. I did not learn until later how thoroughly Mr. Pearson had planned his charade of the dry martini. The final joke was the check with which he paid the man he hired to kill him. It not only furnished proof that he was a suicide, it also bounced, thus depriving the assassin of his ill-earned fee. Mr. Pusher Martin should have heeded the advice of the Japanese sage who said, Where profit is, loss is hidden nearby. <laughs> And now, may the autumn fragrance of an October evening lie gently upon your lidded eyes 
and the cares of the day drift away as silently as the fallen petals of a flower upon the serene waters of a stream curving between two willow trees at a place where two lovers meet. Good night. Welcome back. Uh, this episode seemed kind of familiar to me, and I went and I double-checked my memory, and it this was originally... Now, uh, we've done, we've talked about script reusage before. Um, but this may be one of the biggest stretches. Um, this was a reworked script from Sam Spade. Now, you just think about it. Um, reworking a Sam pa Spade script into a Mr. Moto script. Um, I listened to a little bit of it just to confirm my memory. And while the basic plot was uh, essentially the same, the dialogue by the detective had to change uh, so much just because those two characters, they talk completely different. Usually you don't have to do like a ton of uh, rewriting. Uh, for example, going from... Uh, Jeff Regan to Rocky Fortune, or not Rocky jo Fortune, but Rocky Jordan, or going from Jeff Regan to Johnny Dollar. You know, there's certainly, certainly uh, some of uh, the dialogue needs rewritten, but not as much. Uh, but uh, with Mr. Moto, such a different change of tone. Uh, in some ways, it's kind of sad as we got to the end of the series, uh, because when we started out, you know, I think that what's made Mr. Moto interesting to me is how very different it was from the other uh, detective uh, detective series. Uh, and the script we used for the last episode kind of ends on a uh, on a downbeat note. But the, to be fair, the series, um, it, it looks like it's just not getting the ratings. Uh, canceled as it was after 23 weeks. Uh, because the usual length for a uh, series uh, to be... Uh, uh, canceled, uh, or to be considered for canceled is about, uh, 26 weeks. But this, this was apparently the very last episode. So, yeah, it was, it was sad that it didn't keep, keep with that. But, uh, still, at least it ends with a good script. Uh, even though they had to work, you know, you almost think it was, would have been easier to rewrite that. Uh, the script, the script was originally written by Bob, uh, Talman and Gil Dowd. All right, well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And uh, we did uh, have some comments on um, uh, Mr. Moto. And uh, let me go ahead and just uh, pull that up here. Uh, Joel says, uh, I'm loving Mr. Moto. Exciting plots, great acting, super personality. As good as any movie, real theater of the mind. Brian says, I... Uh, hate to admit, I stopped listening after the first two episodes. I will give it another shot after seeing the positive reviews. Well, thanks so much, Brian. And I think the show uh, did get better after the first uh, episode. Uh, and as I said, when I, I listened to the uh, first episode of Mr. Moto uh, several years back, I actually was like, no way am I going to run this on the Great Detectives podcast. But I gave it a more... Uh, extended tryout, trying out different shows, and uh, ended up deciding to run it. Uh, Rebecca says, definitely worth the listening. And uh, But on the other hand, uh, Bobby Lee Walker uh, says, it amazes me how they use racial slurs 
uh, like it wasn't anything. Uh, and that's, that references, I think, an episode a couple weeks back. Uh, and that's one of those things I, um, you know, I kind of, I will kind of debate, uh, whether to call to attention or to let go. Um, certainly, um, any, you know, those, that sort of language, you know, was not, not appropriate. Uh, but, but I almost take it for granted the, the audience knows that and question the value of going too deeply into that. I will say, um, that, that there, there were these uses of slurs on occasion against, um, the uh, great um, Oriental detective uh, characters, and uh, usually, you know, they get they get the slur and they overcome it. You know, not so much by comments, but by solving the case. I do remember reading about one uh, Charlie uh, Chan uh, movie uh, back during the first few movies, where I think it was in um, the 30s where someone uh, dropped a racial insult, and then when uh, Charlie solved the case, he turned to the person who had hurled it and said, not bad for a... and then just basically threw the insult back in the guy's face. Usually, though, the response was more subtle. It's that the hero who has been insulted wins. He solves the case. He's the good guy. And in some case, the person who says it uh, is either the villain or just not a very uh, good person. There was definitely, in the post-war world, as you listen to radio, um, a focus on uh, trying to uh, judge people based on their merits and not on the basis of uh, race or uh, religion. And in some ways, uh, even though some of these um, characters are now viewed as offensive in and of themselves. But that was often not the author's um, intent, in particular with uh, Charlie Chan. Earl uh, Doerr uh, Biggers uh, created Chan as kind of uh, based on a Honolulu detective named uh, Chang uh, Apana, uh, with the goal of showing a heroic uh, portrayal of uh, Oriental characters, kind of a contrast to all of the Fu Manchu-type stories out there. And, some, and Mr. Moto's origins, I think, very much different, as, it, as the uh, original books and the movie played into our fascination and uh, perhaps our concerns uh, with the rise and the increasing influence of the Japanese Empire. Uh, this story uh, series, made after the war, I think had much more of an intent similar to the Chan series, um, despite, um, uh, he, you know, Moto really is portrayed as kind of uh, so someone who is uh, fully American, fully patriotic, dedicated to the country, and uh, the overall message and thought of the series that regardless of where we come from, whatever our background, if you lived in the United States and uh, loyal to the country, uh, you're an American and should be treated and respected as such. So uh, that's my thought on that. Uh, definitely unfortunate use of language, but I think the broader message of Mr. Moto should not be uh, forgotten in that. All right, well, uh, that will uh, do it for today. 
We will be back uh, next week. We're going to be bringing you Murder and Mr. Malone. And uh, join us tomorrow as uh, we continue the Fathom 5 matter. Uh, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>